great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. But sometimes ordinary people are their own worst enemy. This thought made me think of the comic book character, The Incredible Hulk. Bruce Banner is an intelligent but otherwise ordinary person. But in his attempt to unlock human strength, he becomes the Hulk, his own worst enemy, and sometimes an enemy of other superheroes. Despite the great strength and durability gained, no one wants to be the Hulk. In our last session, we saw Peter unlock blessings, and now he's about to become his own worst enemy and an enemy of God. Let's recap what we've learned about Peter so far. Peter was a sinful man, but Jesus still called him. Peter was a family man who invited others into God's family. Peter was an obedient man who walked with Jesus. Peter was a blessed man because he recognized Jesus. Today we'll see Peter was a selfish man who can choose to follow God. Let's read our passage, Matthew 16, 21 through 27. From then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. As I said before, great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. In Peter, we see ordinary people can oppose or follow God. Jesus follows the Father's concerns. Just prior to this, Peter has just proclaimed Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. With that fact now on the table, Jesus begins to teach his disciples clearly what the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is supposed to do. The Messiah is not going to go to Jerusalem and rule as king, at least not yet. The Messiah is going to go to Jerusalem to suffer. He will suffer at the hands of the religious and political leaders. Those leaders will not just oppose the Messiah, they will kill the Messiah. Then, on the third day, the Messiah will come back to life. The coming back to life part sounds okay, but all the rest, not so much. Jesus is clear, though, the suffering and dying is suffer something that the Messiah, the Savior, he must do and will do. This is the plan of God the Father, and Jesus will submit to it. Jesus said in John 6:38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. In high school, my cousin got
got a part in the school production of A Chorus Line. The premise of the musical has various characters being chosen or eliminated from the final chorus line production. My cousin was one of the people that was to be eliminated during a dance number. In order to properly play the part, she first learned the dance number perfectly. She was the best dancer. Because she knew how to dance the routine perfectly, she also knew how to mess up subtly. Someone casually watching the show who didn't know what goes into a performance might look at my cousin and say, of course she got eliminated. She can't dance. Not realizing she was doing her part of the performance exactly as she was supposed to do it. She eliminated herself because that's what her character was supposed to do. In Matthew 16, 13 through 20, Peter recognized Jesus in title, Messiah, the son of the living God, but he didn't yet recognize what the work of the Messiah would be. That's what Jesus is now explaining to the disciples. His coming death was not him messing up the plan of God. His death and resurrection is the plan of God. <laughs> Peter will say, Jesus, you can't die. And Jesus' response will be, Peter, you obviously do not understand my part in the story. The Messiah dies. Jesus said of himself in Matthew 5.17, Don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. The work of fulfillment includes the law of atonement, that is the payment or sacrifice for the disobedience of humanity. That's why John the Baptist would say of Jesus in John 1.29, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Faith in Jesus for forgiveness means I accept who Jesus is as a person and the work he has done to bring me to life. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, there's the recognition of who he is, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, there's the recognition of what he has done, you will be saved. Great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. But ordinary people can oppose or follow Jesus. Jesus followed God the Father's concerns. But what about Peter? <laughs> Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Jesus tur turned and told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Jesus follows the Father's concerns, but humans follow selfish concerns. Jesus, as our perfect model of obedience, has said he will follow God even if it kills him. And Peter, our perfect model of ordinary humanity, takes Jesus aside and says, Oh, no, you won't. We really need to consider the ramifications of what Peter has just said. From Peter's perspective, maybe all he heard was Jesus saying, the leaders in Jerusalem are going to kill me. And Peter is saying, I'm not going to let that happen. Maybe Peter is pledging to protect Jesus. But Jesus said more than just he was going to die. Jesus is saying that he has total obedience and trust in God the Father. While Peter is saying, you, Jesus, do not understand the will of God. Jesus has said he was going to fulfill the prophecies of the Messiah, the Son of Man, including death, while Peter is saying, oh, no, you're not. 
Jesus has said he was going to be raised to life after dying. So to the resurrection, Peter has just said, oh no, you're not. This is why Jesus replies to Peter, get out of my way. You're opposing the will of God and tempting me to falter in my obedience. In a lot of our modern Bible translations, it sounds like Jesus is calling Peter Satan with a capital S, as in the devil. That's not the case. Satan means adversary or one who opposes. Sure, the devil or the serpent is the chief adversary uh, you know, uh, to God, but even an ordinary person can oppose God. Peter's not like the serpent of Genesis 3 trying to undo or corrupt the perfect creation of God. But Peter is opposing God because he's thinking like Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, selfishly. Peter wants Jesus to live and be the king right now. Peter doesn't think it's good for Jesus or it's good for the disciples or Israel if Jesus dies. In Peter's mind, it's much better for Jesus to keep on living. It's better for Jesus to overthrow the current leaders rather than be killed by them. In Peter's mind, it may be better to not die in the first place than to die and be resurrected. I mean, that's a very human way of thinking. I would rather not have a heart attack in the first place than to have a heart attack and then be resuscitated by CPR. The problem with Peter's thinking is that he's forgetting the reason Israel and the world need a Messiah. We don't need a Messiah because of hostile governments and corrupt leaders. We need a Messiah because of human disobedience. God knows humanity needs a Messiah that will die. Hebrews 9.22 says, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 1 Peter 1.18-19 says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. The Messiah pays the price, which is death, for the disobedience of the world. God also knows that humanity needs a Messiah that will rise from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15, 17-22 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus alive is the proof that those who trust in him will also live. Humanity needs Jesus the Messiah to live, but we also need him to die and live again. Peter is opposing that. We face this situation every day where the result we want is in conflict with what we do. For example, no one wants to get sick, but also no one really wants to wear a mask or get a shot. Everyone wants to be fit and live long, but I also want to drink root beer, eat pie, and watch TV. I honestly believe most people don't want there to be racism, poverty, or mass incarceration, but maybe it takes an exceptional individual to sacrifice my own comfort or standard of living to rid the world, 
my country or my neighborhood or even my church of these things. But I'm going to give you a hint at our last point. It doesn't take an exceptional person to do these things. It takes an ordinary person who is following Jesus. Let's be realistic. There are legitimate human concerns and needs. People need food and clean water. People need to be warm in the winter and places to live. People need work. People need to not be abused or killed. These are human concerns and they are spiritual concerns as we are both physical and spiritual beings. However, neglecting the spiritual in favor of physical concerns is just as bad as only looking at spiritual concerns without addressing the physical. God wants people to be able to eat and drink food and have the bread of life and living water. It's not either or, but both and. Solely focusing on physical concerns leads to selfishness. Our wants start to get defined as our needs. And what I want might not be what God knows I need. That puts me in opposition to God. But just because a person opposes God doesn't mean that they are an irredeemable, sinister person. It just means I'm human. And humans are naturally concerned about physical things. What we humans don't often realize is that spiritual things are human things. Peter's not the devil and neither is the person who may hang their hat on a particular political issue. The hard work of following Jesus is aligning human concerns with spiritual concerns in a way that I'm not in opposition to God. Great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. Ordinary people can oppose or follow God. It's a choice. Jesus follows the Father's concerns. Humans often follow selfish concerns but humans can follow Jesus. Verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. Jesus' next instructions are to Peter, all the disciples, and to every disciple. Sure, it's natural for me to focus on human concerns. It's possible for me to be like Jesus and focus on spiritual concerns. Spiritual concerns do not neglect human concerns, but they address human concerns in a curative way, in God's way. Following Jesus in this way takes serious commitment, the same level of commitment that Jesus had to the will of God the Father. A disciple must have that same pattern of Jesus. Jesus would die on a cross, and as Jesus' disciple, I must give up my selfish concerns and take up my cross. Just as Jesus was willing to die to bring resurrection to all, I have to be willing to lose my life and find the life Jesus would have for me. The choice is trying to gain everything this earthly human life has to offer or gain the resurrected life that Jesus does offer. I mean, what good is it for me to have everything I need or want on this earth for maybe a 100 years only to spend an eternity without life at all? 
One day the resurrected Jesus will return to earth. And the choice and I make and the choice everyone has made, a life of human concerns or a life of Jesus' concerns will be made clear and judged. You know, as soon as the weather warms up, my oldest daughter and I will start training together for 5K. Her running intervals with me is hard work for her. Now, I'm not as young and, and as fast as I used to be, but my muscles are bigger, my lung capacity is greater, and my legs are longer than hers. She doesn't always enjoy working out with me, but she does like being with me running. And she also likes being strong and fit. A couple of years ago, she had been complaining about how hard it was running with me for a whole week until one day after school, she came home just beaming. In PE, they had been doing a game where the teacher spun a jump rope around the floor and the students had to jump over the rope. If someone got caught by the rope, they were out. And all the kids were fine until they started getting tired from jumping. But my daughter's legs were strong from running. She said, they were all getting tired, but I could just keep jumping, and I won. That day, she realized the benefit of following me in the hard work of exercise. Jesus is also telling Peter and all his disciples and me how to win. If I want to find life, I lose my human concerns in exchange for God's concerns. I stop trying to save my own life and start living for and like Jesus, the one who already saved my life. Spirituality is not ignoring human needs of others, but ignoring my own selfishness. I live by dying to self and living as Jesus lived. One of my favorite art pieces in Jerusalem is the chapel of Simon of Cyrene, the fifth station of the cross. As you enter the chapel, one faces a statue of Jesus carrying his cross with a painting in the background of angels weeping. As one exits the chapel, one sees another painting. In this one, Jesus is carrying his cross, and behind him, all his disciples are happily carrying their crosses. Great people are ordinary people who follow Jesus. Ordinary people can oppose or follow God. Following Jesus is not an easy thing. There's a reason why Jesus calls it carrying a cross. Sometimes I carry the cross for a while, and sometimes I set it down for a while. Following Jesus is a journey and a process that even Peter had to learn. In a few weeks, we're going to look at Matthew 26, 50 through 56, where Jesus is still, or excuse me, where Peter is still opposing Jesus. Ordinary people like us have to learn how to follow God, but then we become great people. Let's pray from Psalm 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the east and the west, from the north and the south, from the desolate wilderness into a city, from being hungry and thirsty and dying to being rescued from our distress. We were all near the gates of death, but when we cried out to the Lord in trouble, he saved us from our distress and rescued us from the pit and healed us. Lord, we recognize that this salvation came at a cost, the very life of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for your faithful love and this wondrous work for all humanity. Strengthen, teach, and encourage us to walk with you instead of opposing you, not just so that we will find our own lives, but lead others to life as well. We ask this in the name of Jesus, Messiah, 
Son of the living God. Amen. Leave you with this blessing. Now may the Lord remember us and bless us, for he blesses all those who fear the Lord, both small and great alike.